that to me was probably the biggest aha of how I co-created the environment that I was in. And when I started to realize that and make changes and set boundaries and say no to things, it wasn't comfortable. And again, it goes back to that um, example that we talked about earlier of what are my values and starting to say no to things and having to sit back and observe. I recognize that my codependence actually robbed my partner of his ability to stand in his masculine power and feel like he contributed, actually emasculated him and made him feel like he didn't know his place. So there's, there's so much that can be learned when you really reflect back and take ownership for your own co-creation in the relationship. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here, and I wanted to share something with you. Over the past two months, I have been working to overcome some burnout and navigate a pretty big shift in my life and business, and as a result, I have felt called to go more inward, slow down, and really create some space for myself, and I'm a huge believer that anything I create from a place of hustle or have to energy, not only does me a disservice, but it does you one as well, because it doesn't feel truly authentic or aligned. And I always want to be serving and creating from a place of alignment of excitement and authenticity. So as a result, I've taken a summer break when it comes to new episodes here on the boldly courageous podcast, but you can expect a brand new season in the beginning of August, along with a new look and feel. I'm so excited about that. However, I realized that I've been a guest on so many amazing shows, sharing stories and insights and wisdom that I believe you would really enjoy. So instead of releasing new original episodes on the podcast, I'll be sharing episodes of other podcasts that I've been guests on to give you some perspective. So over the next coming weeks, you can expect to hear from some of the most amazing podcast hosts and people that I love. So with that being said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back everyone to the show. I'm so glad that you're joining me and my next guest today, the lovely Melissa Martin. I had the pleasure of meeting Melissa in person earlier this year when meeting people in person was still a thing. That's when we met. And although I didn't get to spend a lot of time with her, but I was so captivated by her beautiful, feminine, and confident presence. And the more I learned about her, the more I knew I wanted to get to know her more and share her with my people. Melissa, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm literally obsessed with everything that you do, and I can't wait for this conversation. It's going to be so juicy. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. I agree. Um, like I said, I, when I was meeting you in person, I became a fangirl immediately, like right away. And then when your new podcast came out, I was so excited. And I started to listen to you right away. 
And I was so stunned by your story and the season of the transitions that you've gone through. And if I'm not mistaken, you're still going through them um, one way or the other. So I would love it if you could talk a little bit about your story, because I think it's going to reach a lot of hearts, especially for the women who are going through transition right now. Thank you so much. And I feel like life is all about transitions, no matter what. We're always transitioning through through something. And when you can have the awareness of that and really release the expectation of how something is supposed to look and be open to really receiving um, that transition and the, and the lesson that you're meant to learn, I think things become a lot easier. So um, let's talk. Okay. Transitions. So I want to um, preface this and say, when I met you at the event that we were at, it was such an interesting time for me. It was the beginning of January, 2020. And I had just transitioned out of my marriage, literally like two weeks prior. I had also transitioned from living in upstate New York to living in California. And about six months prior, I had transitioned out of my network marketing company because they had restructured and I was transitioning fully into my own business. So there was a lot of things going on. And the irony behind the event that we went to was that um, for me, it felt like like a rebirth, if you will, of, of claiming my independence and really stepping into my gifts. And as I was driving to the venue, I realized that it was hosted in the same city that I was born in. So it was like this very beautiful rebirth. And I remember sitting in that room feeling so happy and excited for my life and all the things that were coming and also feeling incredibly sad and grieving the death of this old relationship and the death of this old identity. So for anybody who's going through transition right now and is maybe feeling guilty about the excitement, I just want to let you know that it's 100% normal and okay to give yourself permission to feel really happy and really sad at the same time. So um, to give a little bit more context, I um, in, in 2012, I had been working in the financial service industry for over 15 years and I had recently uh, lost my job. My company restructured and I found myself unemployed and in a major life transition. And I was introduced to the fitness industry and network marketing all at the same time. And it was something that I was really resistant to, but I had success very quickly. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to try this on for size and see how the entrepreneurial life goes. So that was a really big transition for me. And in the midst of that, my mentor in the network marketing company that I was a part introduced me to her husband's best friend. And, um, we met, we fell in love and we got engaged within eight months. It happened very quickly. And, um, we were in a marriage for about four years. We were together for seven. And through that relationship, I started to recognize a lot of old patterns of codependency, I started to see a lot of things come up with my my own body and my comfort in terms of our sex life. And just so many things started to come forward for me. And these were old patterns that I had seen in several relationships. And because we were in this container of marriage, I made a decision that instead of following the traditional path of just leaving and finding the next person and repeating the same pattern, that I would really commit to doing my own inner work. And I started diving into 
um, reading books and going to women's empowerment events, personal development, listening to podcasts. And I started to do the really deep emotional work with somatic therapy and trauma therapy and just really unlocking a lot of the mysteries that had been going on in my life. And as I started to evolve in my growth as a business owner and entrepreneur, as I started to tap more into my feminine energy and really uncovering my own stuff, I started to realize that my value system and the things that I wanted in my life and my marriage were shifting. And as the conversations would evolve with my then husband, it was becoming very obvious that um, we were not in the same place in terms of our willingness to heal our individual wounding. And it started to become more and more apparent that our, our paths were going in different directions. And so it was, I'm a very spiritual person and, um, I'm very much tuned into energies and I'll never forget this new moon that we had in July of 2019, like literally rocked my world. And for two weeks, I kept feeling so much fear and lack of safety and, and just so much heaviness. And it was due to, I, this knowingness that my relationship was going to transition, but a lot of limiting beliefs and a lot of guilt around it. And I had to really sit in and get clear on what are my values in life and relationships and what are my non-negotiables and have this conversation with my partner and give him the opportunity to meet my needs and let him know what my expectations were. And then just sit back and observe like the hardest part of all of it was to not want to micromanage or not nag or not bring it up again and just really sit back and observe and be open to receiving. And it, it just, I had to release the outcome and be okay with the idea that this could go one way or another. And either way I'm standing in my truth and I'm fully surrendering to whatever is meant to be. And in the end of 2019, my day, my birthday is the day after Christmas. And it was literally the day after my birthday that we had this conversation, we transitioned out of our marriage and that was how I closed the door on, on 2019. So I'm still navigating through it, but you know, however many months later, I feel like I've healed, you know, we were able to navigate through it from a place of true love and compassion. There's no negative energy. There's no resentment. Um, and I think it's just a testament to really doing my own inner work and being able to communicate that in a way that feels loving and supportive, not with blame and judgment. So, mm, so good. So good. Thanks for sharing all of that. There's just so many golden nuggets in there that I want to circle back to. And mainly the part that you said, what, what stuck out for me was that I did mention to him, I did let him know what my expectation and my needs were. And then I sat back, I leaned back and let's to see whether or not he's going to meet me there, whether or not he's going to actually deliver because we, all we can do really is to ask, but we cannot demand it of the person. We can't force them to do the things that we want and we can't um, make it happen. But one thing that I want to mention is a lot of people when they, they talk about divorce and the other person says, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that happened. And while of course, closing a chapter in our lives and and separating and going different paths is not easy. But when you learn the lessons and you learn the gifts and when you are actually growing out of it, I think just like you said, it's it's rebirthing. It's coming back to who you going step forward to who you really are. And so 
of course, you were both happy and excited, but you get to also feel sad and, and grieve what ended. So that was really, really powerful. Thanks for sharing that. And um, another thing that I wanted to ask you is that, you know, I believe that when something comes to an end, when we are, when you are um, ending a pattern, there is things that we need to take personal responsibility for, that it's not, you know, all the other person's fault. Sometimes it could be even 97 persons, another person thing, and 3% of our own. And I would love to know that what were the lessons or the gifts that you, you took away from your, um, you know, when, when your relationship came to an end? Mm, it's such a good question. So for me, the big thing that comes through is just learning about uh, boundaries and really trusting what my body is telling me. So there were several decisions that I made early on in the relationship that felt out of alignment. They were the initial gut reaction was this is a hell no. Mm -hmm. And then my ego came in and talked me into it because it had to do with money or convenience or um, what quote unquote made sense. And I negotiated with myself on those things. And in hindsight, I recognized that it was because I didn't have the tools or the capacity to really trust and feel into what was feeling in alignment. And I was making decisions from a place of fear versus making decisions from a place of love. So really trusting my intuition and standing firm in that is definitely one of the lessons I've learned. And that it's not about not honoring the other person's requests or wishes. It's about being able to communicate how you're feeling and what is going to work for you and what won't, and then being open to compromise and in something that makes sense for both of you. So that was just something that a lesson that I learned from, from early on. The second would definitely be my own, um, codependency for sure. Like I, I recognize how much I co-created my own reality, that these are things that in the beginning felt really, really good for me. And then towards the end became really things that I resented. So let me just give you some examples for those that maybe aren't familiar with what codependency is, or at least how I define it. So codependency for me was the idea that I was needed and that felt so good. So I, I called in a partner who had really amazing qualities and he had the ability to really stand in his own power and also had some areas of, we'll just call them areas of opportunity for growth. And I saw that as an opportunity to swoop in and be the savior, right? Oh, you don't know how to manage your money. Let me help you do that. Oh, you don't know how to do this. Let me do that for you. Let me do that for you. And it came from a truly genuine place of wanting to help and also a place of wanting to feel truly needed and relied on. And what ended up happening is as our relationship dynamic started to shift and I started to become a lot more aware of how these types of behaviors made me feel, I started to feel like everything was on my shoulders. I was responsible for everything. I was being relied on for everything and that my partner didn't have his own sense of independence. And it, I started to really resent it because I felt like I had to do everything myself. Little things, like I'll just share a, a story. It's a perfect example. And you know, when I started to recognize it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I totally created this myself. Um, he had owed his sister some money for something. And he walked into the kitchen one day and he put a hundred bucks down on the counter and he said, hey, can you Venmo this to my sister? 
Mm. And when I started to like feel into it, it wasn't, it wasn't like that I was doing him a favor. It was that he literally didn't want to drive to the bank, deposit the money, download the Venmo app, figure out how to use it, and then send it to her. The path of resistance was just to ask me to do it. And this might seem like such a simple little thing, but it was a really big example and magnifier for so many underlying things of like, you can actually do this yourself. You don't really need me to do it, but because we're in this codependent relationship, I am the person that you are coming to, to do these things because you don't want to take ownership and responsibility for your own actions. And it stemmed into so many other things when it came to our businesses and how we earned income. So I now being on the other side of it have become acutely aware of how I co-created that. And now when I think about dating or relationships, I'm recognizing the, the energetic difference between being needed and being wanted. So the idea of being in a relationship with a man who doesn't need me puts me in a position of feeling actually vulnerable and powerless. Because if for me personally, if I'm in a relationship with a man who needs me, then I'm in control. And when I look back at all my relationships, I've been the one to leave. I've been the one to make that decision. And it's because I've put myself in situations where I'm quote unquote safe because I have the upper hand because I'm needed for whatever reason, whether it's financially I'm needed or I'm being depended on for different things. So that to me was probably the biggest aha of how I co-created the environment that I was in. And when I started to realize that and make changes and set boundaries and say no to things, it wasn't comfortable. And again, it goes back to that um, example that we talked about earlier of what are my values and starting to say no to things and having to sit back and observe. I recognize that my codependence actually robbed my partner of his ability to stand in his masculine power and feel like he contributed, actually emasculated him and made him feel like he didn't know his place. So there's, there's so much that can be learned when you really reflect back and take ownership for your own co-creation in the relationship. Oh my God. So good. So many times I want to interrupt and say, me too. I did the exact same things. I was the poster girl for the overgiver, um, picking men as projects and trying to fix them and put them back together because then I would feel good about myself when I can provide and give something to someone. And if they need me, that means I'm valuable. That means I am worthy because who I am at that time in my life, 16 years of it, back to back with different men, was always the same thing. I'm not enough, but if I can give to you, if I can make your life easier, if I can do something that would then make me earn your love, then I would feel good about myself. So that is really, really powerful that you mentioned that. And another thing that I can resonate with a lot is that one of my partners was actually not a person that couldn't figure things on his own. And yet I kept on pushing for it. I kept trying and that caused him to get lazy because even though it's not attractive, even though between the feminine and the masculine, masculine doesn't want that in order to feel attracted to you, but no one is not going to say, no, don't help me. They'll take it they'll take it, they'll let you do it. And they get lazier and lazier and lazier. But is that the energy of 
attraction that comes forward? No, they, it just becomes this, this, um, platonic relationship that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, because she's going to do it anyways, why would I bother? And mm. it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to love it. That was really, really powerful. Thanks for mm. sharing that. Now, you mentioned something about, you know, going into the body and feeling the hell yes and hell no. And I know that women are like, how do you do that? How do you mm. actually tune into your body and get a hell yes or hell no? So would you mind sharing with us how does that work? So I've learned that awareness is the key to shifting anything in your life. And it starts really, really small. For me, it started with my relationship with money. When I lost my job in 2012, I went into over $100,000 worth of debt. I was depressed. I was, you know, I judged myself and I was tying my self worth directly to my net worth. And I truly believe that we have an opportunity to co-create and have a beautiful relationship with our money, just like we would with a romantic partner. And I had, again, a real desire to shift this pattern that I was in of getting into debt and then paying it off and getting into debt and paying it off and, and never really being able to quote unquote, crack the code when it came to money. So I started to listen to podcasts and read the books and, you know, seek help because I recognized that what I wasn't do what I was doing wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. So I had to decide to shift my belief system. And the first thing that I noticed was an awareness around my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it was something some an opportunity would come up whether it was to um go on a trip or enroll in a course or something, an opportunity would come forward. And my first initial reaction to it would be that sounds exciting. Like I would get excited, like a butterfly in my stomach or like it just felt good in my body, like a hell yes. And the immediate follow-up thought would be, but how much is it? Can I even afford it? And I started to notice this pattern and I started to pay attention to the things that were a hell yes in my body. I would have that initial excitement and then I would notice the thoughts after it. And then I would notice the things that word, like it was just a no. And then I would say yes to. Mm -hmm. So th this, it was really an awareness of wanting to shift something and then bringing the awareness into my body and noticing the correlation between my physical reaction and my mental reaction. Mm -hmm. And I started to ask myself, what would happen if I did the opposite? Like what would happen of, instead of listening to what my mind is telling me and rationalizing the decision, what would happen if I started listening to what my body was telling me? So when my body told me it was a hell yes, instead of my mindset immediately going to, well, how much is it? I can't afford it. I would say, okay, what can I do to make this happen? And I started to make decisions from that perspective. So in hindsight, when I look at some of the bigger decisions I've made around my, my relationships and moving and saying yes to certain things that in my body were really a hell no, and then I talked myself into them out of guilt or what have you, I started to see the results of it, like the pain that it actually caused me. You know, it was the pain that it caused me from the pain that I experience from dishonoring what my body was telling me was far worse than the pain of actually having a difficult conversation and honoring 
what my body said. So now today I'm very acutely aware of what is a yes and what is a no and listening to like the actual feeling in my body. So it's different for everybody. For, for me, I get like, if we're talking energies or we're talking body parts, like in my sacral chakra area, if it feels expansive, like mm-hmm. you can literally feel things like opening, then it's a yes. If things are restricting, it's a no. And we all have access to this, right? We all have access to our lady parts. We all have access to that feeling in our body, but we, we don't always listen to it. So that for me is a really good indicator. And it's, it's how I try to live my life now because our body always knows before our mind gets in the way. Oh my God. I love that so much because what you just, you know, what I heard was that your body gives you the first answer, but your mind, what does, what it does after it tries to, you know, speaks from the place of fear, wants to negate it immediately. But what you do then is to ask the right question. Even if right now the money is not in the bank, it doesn't mean now it's a no. It's asking ourselves, okay, what do I need to do in order to make that money or create that money in order to to actually make it happen? Because if it's a yes in my body, it just means that I need to get aligned. And what you mentioned with the sacral chakra, I I had um, heard that before and it's so true. It is is our feminine intuition desire even our female organs reside there right so it's always right there with us and if you tap in and tune into to really expanding it and connect our connections with it I think it would do us a lot of good I really really love that now when it comes to money I always say that men and money are the same root in terms of in our bodies it comes from an energy of support the the masculine is meant to support our happiness and so is money so in a time like this, that there are some financial crisis going on for some people, and uh, because of the whole pandemic of um, COVID-19, people may have lost their jobs or just not having as much business. Do you have any advice for people how they can um, get into the alignment with the energy of money so they could actually start manifesting and feeling a little bit better <laughs> about the mm-hmm. whole situation? Mm, Yes, absolutely. So money to me, well, if you subscribe to the idea that money is energy, then if we go down this rabbit hole, right, that money is, is energy. Well, we know that energies have different vibrations and it can neither be created nor destroyed, but it can be transmuted from one energetic vibration to another. So I believe that money is a really powerful, like amplifier for underlying energies that are looking to be expressed. So for example, in a relationship, if there is a misalignment between masculine and feminine, and there might be a dynamic of power, we'll just say that is not in a really co-creative space, it can show up as resentment. It can show up as the need to control when it comes to money. So it's really not about money. It's about what money represents in your relationship. So for me, it was really understanding that I, like the way that I related to money or debt was the problem. It wasn't money or debt. It was the way I related to it. And I had this desire to really want to shift the way that I was feeling about every time I would look at my bank account or I would pay my student loans. Like I had a choice in how I felt about all of that. And the first step 
really was reevaluating what type of a relationship do I want to have? Like if, if I were in a romantic partnership with my money, how would I describe that relationship? Would it feel like an equal energy exchange? Mm. Would it feel really co-creative? Like we both were on the same page. Would it be a sense of joy and excitement for me? And no, what it was, was a sense of, it, it created a lot of judgment. There was a lot of anxiety. I definitely was ignoring a lot of it and wasn't giving it the energy, like wasn't giving it the love and the attention that I was wanting to receive back. So the give and take was very uneven. There wasn't a lot of respect. So I, I would invite you to really start to look at number one, what is the current relationship that you have with money right now? How does it make you feel? How do you respect it? Do you actually enjoy it? Does it make you feel icky? Because there's probably some uh, wounding that could be healed there. So that's kind of one is like, get clear on what the relationship is now. And then the second thing is what type of a relationship do you actually want to have with it? How would it, how would you like to feel about your ability to receive money, your ability to use money? How do you actually sit down and co-create with it? So one of the tools that really helped me was to get very intentional with actual dates with my money. So I would pick the same day and the same time every single week. I would block it off on my calendar as if I was on an actual date. I wouldn't be looking at my cell phone. I wouldn't be like scrolling social media or doing anything distracted. I would really give it my full attention. And then I would have a journal close by and notice any feelings of anxiety that would come up or stress and really what the root of it was and how I could shift it. And in anything we do in life, everything stems from our beliefs. Our beliefs are the things that form our thoughts. Our thoughts create our emotions. Our emotions create our actions. Our actions create our reality. So if you want to change your reality, you have to come back to the belief. So every time I would sit and look at my debt, for example, and let's say at the time I was, you know, $100,000 in debt, I would have an emotional response to it. Judgment, shame, guilt, which is a very low vibration. And that emotional response was coming from a belief that this debt that I had was bad, that I was irresponsible, that I was never going to get out of it. And that I was really angry that I even had it in the first place. So this was the Mm. belief system that had to come forward. And then I decided I wanted to choose a different belief. So I started to look at all of the ways in which the debt that I had actually served me. What, how did I benefit from it? How did I actually get into it in the first place? How did I co-create it and how has it served me? And so when I think about my student loans, for example, every time I would write out my student loans, I would be angry. I would put out this energy of like resentment, anger and frustration that I had, I had to pay this money out. And from an energetic perspective, we will receive the same vibration that we are putting out. So imagine I heard this um, analogy from my friend, Andrea Crowder, and she talked about like the quantum field that we all live in. I'm going in deep here for a second. And the quantum field is like, imagine, imagine you are in a, a bubble that's made of a mirror glass and everything that you put out reflects back to you. Ooh. So if you are putting out an energetics of, guilt and shame and judgment and resentment, especially when it comes to an energy like money, then that, that vibration, that energy will continue to feed back to you because it's like, like attracts like, right? Energies want to um, vibrate together. 
So every time I'm writing out the student loans, I'm like angry about it. And what I continue to see, what I continue to manifest is more of the same debt and frustration and judgment. I see, I see more examples of ways that I can judge myself for being irresponsible with my money. So once I recognized that and I started to have these money dates, I started to look at my debt in a different perspective and think about my student loans and what they allowed me to do. And had I not had this debt in my life, I would never have met some of my closest friends. I wouldn't have had the experiences that I did at and like literally my life would be completely different. So every time I write out my student loans, now I, I send so much gratitude towards that money. And I say, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. So I'm actually moving into a place of gratitude, which is a higher frequency, a higher vibration. And when I write the check, I'm actually feeling abundant that I have the resources to then pay the student loans back. And that the more I give out into the world that I actually get to receive as well. So because of these money dates and because of my conscious decision to shift my vibration around how I feel about money and my debt, everything has changed in the way that I view money, the relationship that I have. So I feel like this opportunity that we're in right now with COVID has given people a wake up call and an opportunity to look at their relationship with money how they want to co-create with it. Are they open to actually receiving more or are they staying in a vibration of fear and judgment and lack because of old conditioning and, and old stories? Oh my God. I have so many light bulb moments here. I am wanting to come back and listen to this because the analogy, first of all, that you gave, I've never looked at it that way, but it's the truth. If it's always reflecting back to me what I'm sending out and the money date, that sounds so juicy because how beautiful is it to actually have so much love and respect and gratitude to give money? We want it so badly. We want it so much. We think that uh, whatever we need, well, whatever we need actually costs some money, even, even when it comes to you know, joyful things that we want to do. And yet we have this love-hate relationship. We have this resentment that when we pay our electricity bills, like, ugh, another bill. Well, how much do you get out of that service every month? And you're mm -hmm. resenting it. And it doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. But you, you, what you said is that just really healing your relationship, the way you think about it, the way you actually treat it is the key for the person mm -hmm. to manifest more of it. And I love that. It's not about what you do, really, because there are some people that literally they can start a business every other day and that business starts thriving. And there are these other people that have given their energy and hustle and all of that to a certain and it's not working because because they're coming from the, the again, this, oh, I don't want to pay another employee. I don't business costs so much money. And so their results mm. really, really mirror that back. I love that. Thank you so much for mm. sharing that. Yeah. And the one thing I want to add on to that and is the parallel with your romantic relationships, right? So there's, there's so many parallels between the way that we give and receive money and the way that we give and receive love because they're both energies, right? And we get to choose where we want to vibrate. And they, I started to notice codependencies with my money and I started to notice similar patterns with how I was relating with my money to how I was relating with love. Mm -hmm. And imagine if what it would look like if before you got into a relationship with a partner, if you healed your relationship with money, 
because what happens, what is, I don't even know what the statistics are, but like, I think like a majority of divorces or relationships end because of money. Totally. And I always totally. say it's, it's really not about the money. It's about what the money represents. It's the underlying energy. So you're basically coming into a relationship with a wound that you're, that now you are projecting onto your partner. So what would it look like if you came into a relationship where you already felt loved and supported and had this beautiful co-creative relationship with your money, what kind of person you could attract or, or how you would, um, the boundaries that you would have and the self-respect that you would have and the, the ability to communicate your needs would be so different so different and you're absolutely right you go healed into a relationship in terms of money it's way more likely for you to attract a man who also has a healed relationship with money that's one thing and mm -hmm. secondly um you know what one thing you mentioned about gratitude if everything is energy we know that um what we appreciate appreciates so if you appreciate money it appreciates one thing that I always teach my clients is that a man, the masculine thrives on thank you. The masculine is so, so, so um, looking forward to be, to be, to that energy of the appreciation of the woman. And isn't that the whole universe though? What you appreciate, appreciate. So the things that I always tell my clients, you want something more, make sure that you notice the little things and you actually show internal appreciation and verbal appreciation and it'll come more. And so is the money. There's so many, so many great things that Melissa mm. just shared. Yeah. Okay. So you, you bring up a really good point that I, I, I really want to share about the appreciation. I love that you said what you appreciate appreciates you. And this to me brings up this concept of being open to receive abundance. I love talking about abundance and so many people just put abundance and money in the same category. But really when you think about abundance, it's, it's not just about money. Like you can have $5 in your bank account and still feel so abundant and supported in your life. So how you receive the small things is how you receive everything, right? And so you can have an abundance of love. You can have abundance of support. You can have an abundance of friends, of money, of joy. You can also have an abundance of stress and anxiety. It's your choice, right? Mm -hmm. And being abundant at the very basic level is about being open to receive, like literally open to receive. And so think about how many times you've gotten out of your car to walk into somewhere and you look down and you see a penny on the ground and you don't pick it up because you're like, mm -hmm. it's just a penny, but it is a literal manifestation of abundance. Like literally it is money. And most of us would walk right past it because we downgrade the value of it. But these are little, like when you start to pay attention to these little tiny minuscule examples of how you're open to receive they actually will open your eyes to the bigger ways in which we receive and how you're actually blocking abundance, right? So um, how many times are we as women, especially going like, I'm literally crossing my arms, like, no, I don't want to receive. Like our mm -hmm. partner will say, hey, babe, can I help you with something? And you're like, nope, I'm good. I've got mm -hmm. it. And you literally are like closing yourself off or you're traveling and you're getting on an airplane and you're trying to put your suitcase up and someone gets up and offers to support you and you say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. You're literally blocking abundance, right? And so we do this in relationships as well. Like you were saying, like men are givers, like the masculine wants to give, the feminine wants to receive. And 
when we block our ability to receive on a small level, we, we block it in a bigger level and it manifests in a big way in our life. Totally, totally. You are so right on because just like saying this one penny is not enough that we, it's like, well, that's not enough. This, this $5 is not enough. Oh, but this client that signed up for my smaller package, that's not enough. We do the same thing with men. Oh, he opened the door. Well, what about the fact that he never does anything romantic for me? That's not enough. So we go into the, that's not enough. That's not enough. And we keep attracting it more. And And one of the muscles that we really, really, really need to practice is the muscle of receiving because somehow, somewhere we learn that receiving makes us weak. If we allow others to help us, somehow I'm not that independent, strong woman and I need to prove it to you by telling you, no, don't help me. I get my own suitcase. It's okay if I pull my shoulder. That's okay. I I, I have something to prove, but it's literally blocking it blocks Mm -hmm. our abundance and it blocks Mm -hmm. the love that a man wants to give us. That was such a great point. Mm. And then like literally the way that we, the ultimate form of receiving, right? The ultimate form of receiving as a woman is being able to be intimate with a man. Absolutely. So if we are not comfortable receiving on these small little levels, then energetically, when it comes to fully receive in an intimate way, we don't feel safe in our bodies. We don't feel comfortable. We feel, and then all the judgments come up in the bedroom about like how our bodies look and our men just want to give. That is their job. Like they, they really want to give. So it's, for me, I started to notice where I was over giving and under receiving because of that codependency and how it really translated into me being so completely blocked from an intimate perspective, not feeling comfortable in my body, not feeling safe to receive in that way. And it's like, once you start to connect the dots, you're like mind blown on how you've actually literally co-created all the things in your life. And you're like, great. Awesome. I'm doing a great job. <laughs> you're like, Okay. <laughs> This is all my fault. I take full ownership and okay, let's, let's try this again. (laughs) Let's have a do over. And you're absolutely right. You know, in the moment it came into my life, I'm like, wow, one relationship after another, I am the common denominator in all of them. And I caused all of this great. Okay. Well, if I co-created all of that, that means I can do things differently. That means that I also have the power to change that. And yes, breaking patterns is not easy, but is it possible 100%? It just requires you really, really wanting to have the relationship, have the life that you do desire and start aligning your thoughts, your energy, your behavior with that. And it's, it's, it, gets to be magical. It gets to be magical if you just tune into that. So thank you so much, Melissa. I could literally talk to you forever because it's just, it just flows so well with you. I love it. Um, I know about your incredible podcast and I want my listeners to go and find, because I know that they are, they're loving what they're hearing and they want more of you. So where can we find you? Oh, thank you. Yes. I just launched my podcast. It's called Boldly Courageous. Mm. You can find it on iTunes. It's on Spotify as well and Podbean. And I love, love, love hanging out on Instagram. I'm at the Melissa Martin on all the social medias, but Instagram is my jam. I, I literally am obsessed with DMs and just conversations there over on Instagram. Um, but the podcast is just something that has been on my heart for two years and it was such a process and I had to go through all of these massive transitions in order to come to a place where 
I could really feel aligned with it. And it is, it's literally like birthing a new identity. Truly. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I suppose that, you know, you had to go through what you had to now, what your listeners listen to, they're like, wow, I needed that. I'm there and I needed that. And I love it. It's actually amazing. I love it. So ladies go make sure that you listen to the podcast, you follow Melissa, you'll have everything in the show notes. And I always end with one last question, Melissa. And that is, if you were to give yourself advice a little a few years ago, you know, just think of the hardest moments in your life. And if you give, could give the younger Melissa an advice, what would it be? Mm. Okay, so this is really good because I always, in a lot of my meditations, I go back to my 10-year-old self. Like I can see her. Because I know that 95% of the time she's the one that's running the show. And if she doesn't feel safe or seen that it shows up in so many other areas of my life. So I, if I could go back and visit her, I would tell her that, um, to just trust herself, that she has all the answers inside of her and to not doubt what her intuition is telling her. She's 100% right. And to follow that. I love that so much. And you're absolutely right. The little me is always the one that um, wants to run the show. But based on her fears, I have to keep on reassuring her that she's loved and she's supported. And she also has the answers. Thank you so much, Melissa, for this beautiful conversation. I know so many women can relate to seasons of transitions, to codependency, to blocking abundance, all of the above. And I really appreciate you. And ladies, make sure that you let us know what your biggest takeaways are. Make sure you send this to someone that is going through a season of transitions and they could really, really benefit from this conversation. Thank you so much, Melissa. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.